I love I love going to a new city and going to, into their bookshop because you see what the culture of that city is because the bookshop, of course, will gather more books that people are interested in than the books that they're not. So you actually really get an idea of what the people in that area really are like if you just go into a bookshop. <laughs> that is very true. I've just been in a city for the last six months where there was no bookshop or I mean, very, very. There was like one or two bookshops, but very average sort of bookshops. And um, I really miss it. I I spend quite a lot of time reading, um, even if it's cookbook. You know, um, it's one of my favorite pastimes. What what city uh, were you in that didn't have bookshops? Sorry. Where, which city were you in that didn't have bookshops? Uh, I was on the Gold Coast. Oh. Uh, which is in Queensland. And they didn't have any bookshops. Well, very few. It's 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 a it's a city that you know it's water, it's water and it's you know beach and there's a lot of it's, well I suppose in a way a, a little way it's um a bit like parts of Florida, mm. um where it's its focus is very different and mm. it's never been, yeah its its focus is just very different. Okay. okay. So, it's always been a little lacking the bookshop area in um, on the Gold Coast. That's interesting. But but a lovely city. Because I grew up in L.A. and even though it's supposed to be very superficial there, there were it, even now there's still bookshops everywhere. Even they, though they closed a lot of independent ones, there's still a lot of there's some that survived, and there's a lot of used bookstores too. Um, Booksoup still open. That's I used to love going to. Um, it. I haven't been there since COVID, but when I was there last, it was still there. <laughs> so I hope it is, because I love that. I love bookstores. You know, a lot of them close. I mean, bookstores, the big Britannos in Beverly Hills, they're all gone. That's really. It's really sad. Yeah, I know. There was a used bookstore. Well, that happened long time, uh, about ten years before, but it it was a great used bookstore in the San Fernando Valley that was near where we live, and it the guy was like the kind of guy you want to own a used book. He knew everything about books. You just went and you asked him about something. Oh yeah, sure. Let me tell you what you're looking for here. It's over in this section. I mean, how he knew, because it was like, he always was getting new books, and it was masses of books. I mean, there was like, it was it had the bookshelves and everything, but there was always piles on tables, and he could just pick it up and hand it to you. <laughs> yeah, but when, you, when you're dealing with something you love, you know where it is, because it's a treasure. Um, it's a bit like being uh, in my workroom, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of bits. <laughs> like, it is. But you always know how to put your hands on it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've got one wall that's just full of beads and sequins. Uh, yeah, I, I've forgotten how much I love being in this room. No, my big man. And it's just truly, um, I feel like a bit of a bird in a nest up here. Um, it's like in a beautiful old sort of loft, sort of like a New York loft in a way. And, um, yeah, it's truly delightful. I, I, I'm in a world of my own up here. I like that. I, and I can understand that. Um, you said you're a reader. What do you like to read? Oh, all sorts of things. 
when I'm busy, I actually, I actually, when I, when I'm working, I read stuff that's always like that. Say, if I was, you know, doing this fisher, etc., I would always do um, read things that were set in the twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I, if I'm doing a piece, uh, you, you sort of go down a rabbit hole and start living a whole lot. You, you read a lot of literature from the time, so you look at art from the time. You look at lots of stuff. Um, you read literature, you read poems, you read all sorts of things. But um, sometimes when you need to be distracted, I actually read cookbooks. That's and, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I roam through cookbooks and then I work out what I'm going to cook when I'm not working. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite surprising what you do. <laughs> That's interesting. And do you actually do it? Do you ever get to it? <laughs> I do actually, I do. Uh, I'm quite excited. I can't. I um, have a place down the coast, which is my sand pit, and um, that's where my, I grow vegetables. Which is pretty tricky with my work taking me away all the time to keep vegetable gardens alive. But have managed to so far. And my bees are down there. I, I um, am a beekeeper. Wow. Um, <laughs> so um, you know, so my my bees are there. And um, so I'm really looking forward to going down. I've only been down there for four days since I've got back. I haven't really been there since June. And um, I'm going to be there for the whole of Christmas tool just after New Year. And I've got a whole entire, like, a little pad with um, all of the things I'd like to cook. <laughs> so we have a lot of events, like the, my family and my husband's family comes for Christmas. So there's about 22 people that come for lunch on Christmas Day. Then I have a day off on Boxing Day, and then we have his siblings. We have a sibling lunch, and then there's New Year. So there's a whole rolling sort of uh, uh, um, sort of events on. So I've got all the menus done already. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> so you've got to order, you know you've got to order food. You've got to be prepared. I don't have a lot of time to shop or to wander. So the only way I can do it. But uh, I like the, I love the planning of that. It's like um, doing an ensemble, finding all the bits. That's really cool, though. That's interesting. See, I always think cooking is very creative. It's just another form of creative creativity. Mm, and very calming as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> quite. Yeah, yeah it's it's therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. um, I actually. Um, I, I'm more of a, I, I love to read, I read for, you know, people, I have writers on my show, so I read their books, but really for, when I read for pleasure, I'm more of a, I'm mystery and science fiction reader, that's what I usually read. Um, mystery, I mean, I'm, I'm not that, that into science fiction, but uh, I love, I love mysteries, and I love uh, intrigue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, reading uh, Anthony Horitz's Magpie Murders. It's really good. Have you read it yet? No, I haven't, but I've I've, I've heard about it. It's it's one of the most unusual books I've ever read. (laughs) Okay, something to look forward to. Yeah, basically it's a book within a book. Yeah, it has like a... A modern superstructure, and in the middle is an, a 1950s mystery, golden age sort of mystery. 
So you, at the beginning, and um, and it's very short at the beginning, it's like four pages. And then the end is all modern, but the middle part is all the mystery. And, I mean, if they're both mystery. It's so hard. To, it's it's even hard to explain it. Intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, yeah, I finished the uh, middle part, and now I'm in the uh, modern murder mystery, and, and so I'm like, it's just, it's really fascinating. It's so different. <laughs> oh, I think we should all keep an eye out for it. Oh, yeah, definitely, um, especially if you like intrigue and, and excitement and and that 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 taste of the past. But the future's in, in the present's in it too. It's just, yeah, you'll like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's weird because um, the I saw the series. They have it's already been adapted, and I saw the series first, and it's completely different. But I didn't know that, so I actually uh, wrote to Anthony Horowitz on Twitter, and I said. Hi, um, uh, I'm in the U.S. and I just finished watching the series, but I just got your book as a gift. Will it work after the series? He goes, Oh yeah, it's totally different. Enjoy. Curious. <laughs> sure, sure. did, did he like it? That it was different, or did he find it? No, he wrote yeah. both. He wrote oh, the adaption. Okay. Because I feel so tortured about doing them, 
that, uh, and actually being on camera, that I always skip them because I think, oh my God, I, I wonder if the, if, if the people enjoyed that or not. I find, <laughs> I find it a little torturous often behind the scenes. Oh, I love behind the scenes because it just, it adds so much to because you, you get the idea of how, what they were doing and how it was and stuff like that. I mean, you don't see everything, of course, because it's, it's, carefully edited and stuff yeah. but but um but i don't know i've always been like i i was even before they had uh dvds or vhs and stuff like that i would watch documentaries of behind the scenes uh, like they had one from the Sun, um butch cassidy and sundance kid and i remember watching that when i was about before i got to see the movie i saw the documentary because <laughs> i was too young to see the movie <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, when when I started out in this world in um, costume, we, I was a, we, costume people never spoke. Uh, they were never required to do any sort of to camera stuff or things for the making of or whatever. Um, we were always, you know, we were always the backroom people. What about? And uh, were very much seen and not heard. And uh, I quite liked it that way. You know, you know. <laughs> well, what about Edith's hat? Edith's hat was always on camera. Yeah, but that was that sort of different. She became a celebrity, and she became she was part of the she was part of the machinery of a of a huge studio. Okay. Okay. You know, but she she wasn't typical, like you know, costume designers as a as a rule word. You know, you wouldn't have seen many costume designers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean. They showed, I, there was a show that was called, on uh, Turner Classic Movies, uh, it was like little mini things, and it was about costumes and how important it is to film, and um, they had uh, Adrian, and they had Bob Mackie, Bob Mackie, actually, and Bob Mackie was on Carol Burnett, and he talked yeah, a lot, um, so he I've seen. But they had Bob Mackie, they had Adrian, they had, um, I forgot the other guys. Ori Kelly, Ori Kelly. Oh, Ori Kelly was Australian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and they they had, and Edith Head. And they had all these yeah. people. And it was really interesting because, like, uh, Adrian, you never saw. I mean, that, and I don't think you saw Ori Kelly very often either. Um, so to see them behind the scenes and these little tiny clips from uh, talking about uh, like how characters are delineated by the uh, costumes they wear and and um, how you do the transformation in costume and all these really interesting I, I think you'd like that show it, I gobbled it up <laughs> you know all of that stuff is really interesting because I think a lot of people don't quite understand what we actually do. I think a lot of people think we, that we shop and then we go, oh, that looks nice. Maybe that would work. <laughs> but there's so much development and there's so many conversations that are had and so much thought and, and preparation goes in before you even pick up a pencil or you even um, uh, start fabric shopping, etc. There's so much so many building blocks that you have to start with before you get even to the to the start line. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. I I I think costume design is it's 
costume design, hair design, makeup design. These are essential to the character, whatever character it is. I I was I don't remember her name, but she was the an Oscar-winning costume designer, and she was saying how that she had an actress who said that she never wears yellow. And she goes, I don't care if you wear yellow, honey. It's not about you. It's about your character. But, but that's, that's very true. That's very <laughs> true. But I, I think that, you know, in, intelligence, well, you know, you, you have to leave yourself at home. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it, 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 it's not about you. It's about who you're becoming. Right. And, um, you know, even the height of your heels and the way you walk, everything will inform that character. So everything about you personally has to be left at the door. I, I And I think that's really, I think like if you're a, a, a character actress, even if you're a famous star like, like a Meryl Streep, you know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'd be horrified if people thought that people were doing it any other way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it would be completely against her character. She was like, what? <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, it's sort of a funny thing because, you know, a lot of uh, actors, when they become famous, you know, they have quite a lot of money. They, they, you know, some of them like a little bit of luxury and stuff. And if they're playing a part where they're playing, you know, someone who's down and out, you, I mean, there is a thing like, hmm, this would be interesting, uh, whether one can go that place. And it's always thrilling because usually that's what they—that's exactly what they—they they want. That they wanted to smell, they wanted to feel, they wanted to feel exactly right because it's the motivation for them. You know, sometimes you know, I—I I have for one actor who was very method, who was playing someone who was down and out. I actually buried his costume in the garden for some days <laughs> because he wanted to smell the earth. And he said something to me one day when he was trying to things on and the next time I saw him I buried the clothes in the earth and I brought them back and he put them on and he said oh I, I'm connected I can he, he connected them because he needed the physicality he needed the, the the smell of it for him to understand his connection to the earth and the ground That's and it's, it's really interesting what 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 you do to help someone get there because we're a facilitator we work we work to help, you know, make that character, make that character real. So in a way, you know, without costume, it's um, a hollow piece because it it won't translate properly. You'll be forever jarred that people think, but why does that character not work? Yeah. You know, I, that made me think... Um... I was um, reading uh, an article that Lucy Arnaz wrote about her mother, Lucille Ball, and she said Lucy's favorite character was the homeless woman, Stone Pillow, because it was complete character acting, and she hadn't done that really ever in her career. She was always the glamorous woman. Even when she was a mess on Lucy and she was doing she was doing character in that, um, but to play something totally a hundred percent opposite of who she was was her dream and she that she didn't get to do it until she was in her 70s wow 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 that's extraordinary isn't that interesting i love that story i thought that was really interesting um 
the other one she liked was some uh, something street I can't remember the name of it she played a really mean chorus girl who ends up being um, paralyzed with Henry Fonda that's her that's her other favorite movie because she played such a mean woman <laughs> famous um, because it was one of her favorites everybody knows that Lucy loved it um, but I just I think it's oh it's really interesting because you know somebody like Lucy who's really famous um, she has these parts that that are really well known but it's not like that's not what's associated with her what's associated with her is the different Lucy characters I love Lucy the Lucy show here's Lucy you know that's yes. what's associated we get we get pigeonholed <laughs> yeah we get pigeonholed because it's what people like it's what people remember it's that defining moment there was a movie with Cary Grant another this is another costume thing um, costume and makeup and everything. He he. It was called Father Goose. Did you ever see it? I uh, uh, yes, yes, a long time ago. They said that that was one of his favorite movies he ever made, and but the audience hated it because he wasn't Cary Grant. Ah, that was. I mean, that's one of my favorite of his movies because I love that he's so funny. He's playing a a. Uh, he's most of the movie. He's unshaven. He's a slob. He, he's drinking all the time. He's totally opposite Cary Grant, but he's funny, and that was the part. <laughs> and wasn't he a friend of Ari Kelly? Yeah. 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 In fact, he did a lot of his costumes in um, when he was yes. a, a, in at Paramount. I think. Yeah, they were both at Paramount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's just interesting to me um, how people, like you said, people get pigeonholed. Uh, but but if you're an actor, you want to do that. You want to not get pigeonholed. You want to do something that's character driven. That's the whole point of being an actor. <laughs> but you need you need um, it's it's it can get awfully stale. I think when you just keep a repetitive thing. Um, they need a spark, and it's really lovely being able to roam over different projects and different times and different genres. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I I can see why you like to do that. I can see why you love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I I'm quite curious about the world, and and I love exploring and researching and. You know, you find out so many interesting things and um, what makes something tick. It's, um, oh, you, you've never, ever stopped learning. Um, and it's, you know, it's a real privilege a lot of the time. We get led into people's worlds um, through jobs. And we get, we get to meet people we never would have before, like spending time extended period of time with the circus or, you know, just for example, you know, th that was a really special time. I, uh, it was truly fascinating, um, really nearly living with the circus for three weeks. Wow. And that was just quite a 
quite an eye-opener, such a different way of life. And um, it's really fascinating, the, the, the world. And um, there's so many different parts to it. It's just great. I think that's wonderful. I, it, it's, it's temporarily going to another world. That's a, What a great thing. But <laughs> the extreme escapism. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate escapism, because you're actually doing it. You're there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that, and people allowing you in their space, it's really quite special. Um. I just wanted to ask you, uh, I remember on an uh, interview you did on, um, on TV for Miss Fisher, you were talking about your collections. Do you still collect? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I do. I, I'm seriously trying to behave. Um, I seriously try to behave. I have... Uh, Yes, taken over another space, and I seem to have filled it, which was, is surprising. Um, but then I, there you go. But it's, but there's some things, there's some treasures there that I look at, which brings me such extraordinary joy. Sometimes, sometimes the way things are cut, the way things are put together, and um, it's truly masterful. And it's just... Uh, I learn a lot about period cutting from looking at garments through different periods. Uh, a lot of it comes through um, sometimes economic needs um, or the exact opposite, an exuberance of, you know, uh, money where there's an enormous, extraordinary amount of cloth because cloth has always been equated with, with wealth. Uh, that's, you know... Historically, that's been an indicator of wealth a lot of the time. And, um, yes, it's sort of quite fascinating where you find, you know, clothes that brides and bridesmaid dresses that have been made out of curtains from the Depression era. You find, you, you're always finding, you know, extraordinary details about the world and history by clothing. That's interesting. Um, um, is that why when... I, I, I've never owned a couture outfit, but I've seen them in museums and stuff. And is that why there's so much material in couture? Because that means wealth? Um, probably. I mean, it's also that, you know, couture is, it's, there's so many different parts to it. There's so many different, it's not just a seamstress, you know, there's, there's people who are, um, hand embroidering or hand beading it's it's so many different crafts going to making one extraordinary garment it's really like it, to me it's like painting a lot of the time um they they paint on fabric it's quite an extraordinary process watching real couture being made and how many different departments it actually goes through to create one gown i remember um i worked at universal for several years and they had well, I don't want to break anyone's heart, but the I, the Lucille Ball dressing room and the Great Race uh, costume area they were made up. <laughs> they were real clothes from those shows, but they weren't shot at Universal Studios. <laughs> but I used but I used to go in there during I just just I, they're not there anymore I don't think but I just. 
just letting people know. Um, they did that for the Torah. They did that for you, so you can see it. <laughs> I found that out when I worked there. Uh, yeah, but uh, but you saw, I mean, the great waist costumes. I, I got to ask you this question because it always made me, when you saw those gorgeous clothes on Natalie Wood in the movie, it looked amazing. But when you saw them in the glass cases in the costume room at Universal, that, you know, they basically moved it over from Warner Brothers, which is, uh, isn't very far from Universal. Um, from their, um, from their, uh, what do you call it, where they keep they stuff. I'm sorry? Yeah, the co costume store. Yeah. They moved it to Universal. I guess they pay them or something. I don't know what, what happened, but the costumes didn't look like they did in the movie. <laughs> is, the, is, is it because of the way the camera shot it and the lighting that they look so amazing, or is it because Natalie looked, Wood was a beautiful woman? I mean, or was it a combination? Probably, probably, <laughs> probably, probably most likely all of you, but, you know, I, I um, have an unfortunate habit is that I need things to look and be beautiful. If a character is meant to be beautiful, I think the costumes have to be beautiful because that's part of the character and the actor fills it. So if it's meant to be beautiful, it seriously needs to be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. You can't, you can't put them in a pair of, you know, $4.50 shoes when they're meant to be in Ferragamo. You know, if, if, that's, if that's what they're meant, meant to be, I, I just think it has to translate and it has to make them feel like a princess. I wonder I wonder how Natalie felt in them. Because they when you looked at them really they did not stack up to the way they looked in the film. How many years after the film did you see them? About ten. Because it was like, I think it was 66 or something, and I worked at Universal in 76 to 78. So it wasn't that long. Okay. okay. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's um, a combination of all sorts of things, but if it works, then that's terrific. Well, I mean, in the movie, she looks sensational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. I mean, she had a... a, a you know, she she was very appealing to the camera. Yeah, Natalie Wood. I mean, and she was beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't know. Maybe it was that essence of the star that just gave it more. I mean, I'm sure that they they did really good uh, lighting and and good shots and stuff like that to make it look really sumptuous and beautiful. Um, but I also think it helped that it was Natalie. <laughs> I don't think they would do that today. I mean, that was a studio thing, you know, the, when doing the studio system. I don't think, you know, like you said, um, it, today it's it, even, you, you know, you guys didn't have a big budget, but the clothes were so gorgeous and the props were so gorgeous and everything. It was, you, it fooled you. 
I mean, completely. I, I, and I apparently wasn't alone because I was um, watching an interview with Hugo on uh, an American morning show that I used to watch in L.A. And uh, the guy who um, was the head anchor, Steve, was a big fan of Miss Fisher. And he said, God, the costumes, you must spend a fortune on them. And he goes, well, she's brilliant, but it's a shoestring budget. Is that true? <laughs> it is very true. It is extremely true. The, the, I have um, uh, a person who still works for me now who often says to me, uh, I can't believe what we pulled off in season one. It nearly broke me. And he is a very, very, very dedicated, brilliant technician. And for him to say that, and for him to actually still say that, makes me think back. And you become so driven because it had to be something. And I, I really fell hook, line, and sink for that show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who better to dress than, you know, again, the ensemble <laughs> cast was just yeah. amazing. Um, Prudence, too. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, she's wonderful. Them. You know, the whole the whole lot of them. What was not to like about it? I mean, Dot, so divine. Oh yeah. Um, and Hugo, I mean, he's a, a very very funny man. But um, you know, I just became so driven. But I remember having the flu one weekend, and I was really ill. And my, I said, no, I've got my husband said you've got to go to bed, Marion. I said, I can't. I've got to go to the country and pick up a pair of shoes. I've got to go for a drive a few hours away. You see, you can't do that. <laughs> well, I have to. There's no other way to get these shoes, and I need these shoes. And it was just like completely insane. So he said, I, I'm going to drive you. And so he made a bed in the back of the car. Oh. And, the <laughs> and drove me to the country. How sweet I of him. <laughs> but that's the, that's the sort of like... On weekends, we were, you know, making trips to get one pair of shoes because they were all anything we could afford or all the only ones we could find. It was pretty desperate times, but in that, in that came um, a lot of creativity, mm -hmm. uh, trying to find and trying to make it be what it should be. So a lot of it, it, it's quite sort of quite fascinating when you backs up against the wall. How you're going to make it work and how. You, you become very tenacious. Is it true you used a lot of uh, kimono material for the dresses of Franny? Some, yeah. I, I used quite a bit of that. I used old tablecloths. I used all sorts of things. Um, quite a few um, beautiful embroidered tablecloths on Aunt Prudence for her blouses and stuff, and kimono, bits of old kimonos when they, you know, take kimonos apart and sell off the pieces. A lot of her, you know, big long scarves came from that. Um, yeah, you'd find um, some of Dot's shirts and stuff with the beautiful old crepes from kimonos. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah. That's so we, cool. Um, we're running out of time. I want to talk about your current crop of shows. Can you, I know you can't talk about everything, but would you like to tell the audience about what you've been up to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I've been doing a very variety of things, really, in the last few years. Um, I did a show set in the 70s. didn't do particularly well, but I, I really loved that show. What was it called? Uh, well, it was called Barron. Oh. And strangely enough, it was set in the 90, early 1970s. What a great, what a great fun period. Um, and 
yeah, that that's responsible for my collection actually getting a whole lot bigger because I found amazing things all around the world. <laughs> um, that's a big part of why that that room is now full. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I did Barons, and that was really terrific. And then I did a show in Tasmania, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. Uh, was a modern sort of very sort of dark, moody, sort of very European um, whodunit uh, set nowadays, but um, Tasmania has such a timeless, ancient feel that you're very much influenced by that. Um, what was the I, name of that one? That's called The Gloaming. The Gloaming. And then I did, then I've done a thing, oh, that's just about to open on opening night at Sundown, uh, in January, called Run Rabbit Run with Sarah Snook, and um, that's a very very interesting film. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I made a mask for that. Watch out for this mask. It was one. Of, it was a very very interesting journey just the making of this mask because I won't give the plot away, but it um, it had to be so many things, and to make it be so many things, it was quite a interesting journey making this mask. It was. It, a, a, a real, um, yes, it, yeah, it was a very interesting journey, even down to the hue of the colour of the paint. There was a lot of thought went into it. So so there was that. Um, that was great fun. Um, and that went in and out of time. And so that was set a lot of in South Australia in the desert. Oh. And um, finished that. And then I went to Queensland and did the last few episodes of Nautilus set in the 1860s based on Jules Verne's um, uh, book Nautilus. So, and that was great. That was for Disney, and um, that was a, a you know really at the other end of the scale from small budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially with Disney, it must be at their end of the scale. Yeah. <laughs> So I've been roaming around, um, doing a whole heap of things, and um, then I was meant to be doing a Hilary Swank film in Sydney, but she's um, delightfully having um, twins. Oh, uh, that's so great! That, so that sort of um, put a little bit of a, a bit of a quirk in the time frame of it, making that, which is a film that I'm looking forward to making. Have been has been at the back of my mind for a long time. And, um, yeah, there's all sorts of things um, popping around. There's a, a, another film that I'm really looking forward to, it finally sort of taking off, which is called The Secret Life of Dresses, which has um, really captured my heart. And um, I can't wait for that to finally uh, come to fruition. The Secret Life of Dresses? That sounds really cool. Oh, it is. It's a really amazing script. And has that been shot, or is it not... No, no, no. It's got a, a pre-trailer for it so far. Okay. And and um, uh, so they're just sort of casting it. So I'm not sure when we're going to start filming that, but um, that's a really exciting project. So that's been sort of in sort of in my life for a year and a bit. So that's another reason why I've got my rooms expanded because I've been <laughs> finding. So always at the back of your mind, when you've got a project that you know that's going to happen in the next few years, it never quite leaves you. And uh, so you see something and you go, aha, now. <laughs> and it starts to change. 
transport. And so, um, yeah, you're always sort of in pre-pre-production for something. And so your collection grows and grows and grows. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) If it's a a year or so out, there's no budget for it, so, you know, as yet. So you find something and you'll never find it again. So one one goes, all right, I'll I'll give it a home. That's great. Um, (laughs) It can come home with me. So, yes, that's that's how a lot of my collection starts. It's uh, often driven by what I'm working on. Um, We've come to the end, sadly. Um, (laughs) uh, So the um, fans can get in touch with you, do you have any kind of social media that they can, and and what the handles on social media, so they can say hi? Um, Not really. I'm very bad. Um, I, I... I don't really have uh, anything, you know, I do communicate a little bit with um, with uh, the Miss Fisher group, um, but I, I don't really have uh, anything, I mean, I suppose there's email, uh, but I, yeah, I don't really, um, I'm quite bad, sorry Sherry. That's all right. Um, okay. Uh, so, because nothing on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. I don't. I, I don't really partake. Very occasionally, I post something. Okay. Um, but um, I'm, as you can see, uh, over the last few years, I've probably posted seventeen things or twelve things. Or something. <laughs> um, so I, I, I get involved in things and. Um, it's not something that comes naturally to me. I understand. I understand. I just did that for the fans because, you know, they love you. But <laughs> they can always send you things and I'll answer. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. I, I, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. That's all right. That's all right. Um, Anyway, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you for having me. And um, it's quite close to Christmas, so I hope you all have a really sensationally great Christmas and get to spend some time um, doing the things you love. And, um, yeah, enjoy. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank you.